What is up, boys and girls? It is your boy, Coupon Clipper, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. I love y'all. In today's episode, I talked to one of my best friends in the world. That's Ian Schoen of Dynamite Circle and the Tropical NBA podcast. We've literally recorded for the past three years so many episodes, and this one specifically was great enough to finally share it with you. Ian is a man of the world, former product designer, world traveler. He actually got rich selling valet stands and cat toys. He's super handy with cars, go Miatas, and he runs Dynamite Circle and Dynamite Jobs, which is one of the top online communities for nomadic entrepreneurs. That's Dynamite Circle. We had a super fun conversation while sipping tequila, Casa Azul, my favorite. But before you freak out, we recorded this at the end of last year, not during clean January. I hope you're joining me keeping it clean. In this conversation, you'll enjoy three major things. Numero uno, the importance of asking great questions and how Ian does it. Number two, rethinking consumption. I really like that part. And number three, the corner office test and how time is the most important asset. Enjoy those three things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we jump into the conversation, go check out okdork.com slash 31. It's going to be ending soon. I'm giving away my favorite items every single day. We're about halfway through the month. There's a ton left. Subscribe to the email list to make sure you don't miss out. That's okdork.com slash weekly. Or just go check it out right now. It's over $10,000 in giveaways at okdork.com slash 31. Go do it. Also, a special pre-show shout out listener to Stosh Ryder of Russia. I'm trying to do accents with everyone. He left a review saying Noah is one of my favorite business podcasts. He just meant to say is my favorite podcast. Yes. Thank you, comrade. If you want a shout out in a future episode, leave an iTunes review. I check every single one. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Good to see you. You were angry earlier because I was doing a podcast interview and then you didn't like her questions. What happened? You got mad. I think I got passionate. I don't think I got mad. I have a podcast. I've been podcasting for 10 years and you've been podcasting for a long time too. Three years, just three. Three years. And uh, I don't know, take it profession. I uh, take it seriously as a profession. There's very few, I think, podcasts that are worth listening to these days. And the reason is because it's all the same stuff. But particularly why I was upset at the woman that was interviewing you is because she wasn't actually listening to what mm. you were saying and she wasn't following up. There was a lot of things that you mentioned that were interesting that were worth a follow-up, but it was clear she was like going down her list of the things that she had. I don't even think she wanted to ask you things that she she was supposed Thought, to ask you. Yes, right? yes. And uh, I'm just sitting here thinking like, who are you making this podcast for? It's not me. You were the star. I mean, if it wasn't for you, that, that show oh, would have just been- You say that to everyone. Awful, but- I'm very skeptical of people that start podcasts because they think it's the right thing to do, not because they actually like doing it. Well, I think the two things you've taught me with it, and you just taught me a new one today, which is number one, you taught me, and I already mentioned to you earlier, is like, ask a question and then shut up. So if you look at my earliest interviews, I think when I first did your interview, which I have, we've done two, and this is the third, then hopefully gets published. <laughs> Maybe not. I know, okay. I know. I this, one's good. this one's going out no matter what. And I want to talk about the title. But the first thing you said is ask a question and then just shut up and then just keep shutting up. And I have noticed that if I shut up, they just keep going and then yeah. eventually it gets to something good. But I think the second piece today is like dig deeper because I've noticed them sometimes like if I'm interviewing someone to come work at our company, I like say something and they don't say anything afterwards. I was like, how do you know I'm not lying to you? <laughs> like, Or like they say something like, do you curious how, but they're just going through the checklist yeah. versus kind of like, maybe it's just the curiosity though. I think it's a curiosity. I think um, it's just a lack of creativity. I think I think people just latch on to other people's styles and forms, and it doesn't it doesn't work for everybody. Like you got to kind of develop your own voice. This is real meta. You a couple hours later, and I'm like sitting in the same room as you. You interviewed somebody today, and it was great. They were super engaged. You went deep, 
you asked follow-up questions, you were curious, and I thought it turned out great. Like, uh, there was a lot of vulnerability on the podcast, so I applaud you. Bro, you're my guardian angel. I told you earlier today, you're like, you're one of the few, like, close friends that listens. You know, the other day I was on a flight, and these two guys were sitting behind me, and they hit it off, and, like, it just so happened, like, they were wearing almost identical shirts, you know, because I, like, glanced back because these guys are just talking the whole time. It was a three-hour flight. But it was interesting what they were talking about, which is basically nothing. They were essentially reaffirming each other's beliefs for three hours. Like not one of them asked each other a question. They were just stating things. And then the other one would say, yes, I agree, essentially. And they would state something. And then the other one would state something. And it was just like nothing got accomplished except for I'm sure they both felt better about each other in some way at the end of it. Yeah. But there was no questions answered. There was no depth. There was no depth. It was... uh, but. I had to listen to this for three hours. I'd say it's 90% of the conversations I hear in America, honestly. There's not a lot of depth. There's a lot of talking to each other, not with each other. Well, I had a weird experience with that on uh, Tuesday. This guy texts me. He's like, hey, I want to go be an intern for Ryan Holiday. And this is a guy that runs like a six-figure jewelry business. And so my first response is, I started writing this whole text. I was like, I think it's a really bad idea. You shouldn't really do it. I'm not really going to, I can't recommend you. And then I just deleted it. And I was like, if that's what you want to do, sure, I'll recommend you. It was just interesting how I think we're so quick to want to give feedback and things like, oh, let me just tell you stuff or let me suggest. It's like, just this is what I want if it's going to, if it's detrimental or I ask for your opinion right. or you want my opinion. You're going to hurt yourself or something. Yeah. Like yeah. But how do you decide about listening? Have you read the, like, How to Win Friends and Influence People? I love that book. Actually, I'm going to start reading yeah, it again. I read that. I just think it's honestly, it's just general curiosity. Like, I'm still like curious who Noah Kagan is. Like, hmm. we spent like tons of time together. We've lived together. We hang out quite a bit, but I'm I'm still curious about you. Like, I still have a lot of I'm curious about you too. <laughs> unanswered questions. And <laughs> I, I don't think that that like, uh, that doesn't wear off on me. Like, I, I think uh, I've known people for 25 years and I still ask them questions. And not that I, I think people want strategies and stuff like this. It's like, just make it a game that you're asking more questions than you're getting. I think there's something probably interesting about most people is just like we don't bother to get it. This certainly isn't like my goal, but it makes people feel good when you're curious about them. Now, I'm actually interested in them, so it's easy for me. But if you're not actually interested in somebody, I guess, yeah. Just go find people you're interested in. (laughs) Exactly. I ask a lot of questions because I'm curious, but I feel like there's not many other people like you who do it and genuinely are interested. I'll mention something else because uh, I'm just introspectively thinking about it. I think I'd say like over half of my friends are older than me and some of them much older than me. And uh, I spent a lot of time asking them questions too, because I think most of them have lived interesting lives and like hopefully, fingers crossed, like that's ahead for me too. And I think for them, it's like great because they get to tell stories about their lives that most people aren't that interested in. But for me, especially if like maybe I'm on a similar trajectory as them, Mm. like it's very interesting to hear about the troubles that they went through and the happy times and things like that. What wisdom have you learned this year? What did I learn this year? Well, this is my second year in uh, fatherhood. So my son is uh, turning two in a couple days, actually. I think I've learned a lot about relationships and kids, mostly the past two years. I was saying wisdom from older people. The ones oh, that you okay. To. But if you've learned something about father, share that, dude. One of the things that I learned from my partner who spends uh, 80% of her time raising our son is that it's probably the hardest job I've ever seen. Like she's full Preach. time. Yeah. Preach, dude. You know, we've started businesses and done different things or whatever, but, and I've always like considered them kind of hard, you know, but it's always been like a passion project. Mm. So I kind of thought the same thing, like for her, it was like, oh, she's really passionate about parenthood, like more so than I am. Like she reads more about it. She's active more in the community and all this stuff. So I thought like, oh, she has the enthusiasm and, and drive. Like it's the same thing as business. Like for me, it's like my passion project, it's her passion project. But really like, even with all that passion, like it's a way harder job. How do you support her? 
you know, I just got engaged. Yeah. Hopefully, congrats. God willing, thank you, Bruch Hashem, like God willing, we can get a baby in the oven. Yeah. But like, how do you support? Like, how do you? I think I screwed up for sure, like in the beginning, because I think my ideas in the beginning were like, try and raise a kid best I can. But really, it was like, it should have been like, try and support my partner. Like, we got a housekeeper in the beginning. We still actually have one. My idea when we first hired her was like, oh yeah, she can watch the kid and like we can go out and like live our lives. But really it was like, she does everything else. She like cooks the meals, she does the laundry, she like makes sure the house is taken care of so like we can take care of the kid. Wouldn't make sense to like put your newest, least trusted asset on like your biggest investment, you know? Like just take care of the house. And she's a great housekeeper, but that's kind of what I got wrong too, which was like, oh, I need to like nurture my relationship with my partner, especially as a dude. I didn't have a lot to offer the first couple of years, you know, to my son, just because she's the primary caregiver. So, but what I can offer is kind of uh, taking care of my partner. What's the wisdom you've learned from like, you know, old man Richard or, or other, uh, Cause I think there's something there with that. Like a lot of your friends are older. Watching older men, like your mind doesn't change that much. Like they could be like 35. How old am I now? 38. They could be 38 too. They're just like in an older body and they've like had more experiences, but the mind doesn't seem to like change that much. I think their perspective changes like on money and time and things like that. A lot of things that I might just like do myself, they're, they're willing to like pay for because they realize that they're running out of time and they should be focused on, you know, that is their most valuable asset. So I think that's one of the things that I've probably taken away the most, which is like everybody says this, but nobody really believes it, which is like time is your most valuable asset. And for them, it's it's pretty obvious. Like a lot of them are talking like, hey, man, I only got like 10 or 15 more years where like I'm willing, bodied and able to like be able to do things. And like we don't have to like stare that down. Like it seems infinite now for me. Still, still. does. Yeah. There will certainly come a time where... And hopefully you know when it's going to be when uh, you're going to have to like have that self-realization moment where you realize, hey, yeah, 10 years left, man, of me doing what I like to do. What's kind of crazy conceptually is that we theoretically, like you're 38, I'm 37. We theoretically are going to live to about, let's just say 80. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Hopefully that long. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. Just knock on wood. No, we do kind of know it's going to be like 40 more years. But it is interesting because we don't think of it as like each day we're dying or that there's this limited thing. Like I was talking to um, this girl this weekend, a friend of ours, and her dad got cancer. And it was like he knew he had a, maybe at least a year or more to live. And I was like, oh, did he get a Ferrari? Right? Like, I don't know why that's the first. Remember as a mm. kid, you ever had that? Like, if you had one day to live, what would you do? Yeah. So I was like Ferrari or something like that. And so I don't know. It was interesting. I was like, what did he do? And she's like, he just worked. And just kind of lived his life. And then, you know, he was supposed to live longer than a year, but he ended up passing for years. So I get mm. it's always kind of interesting. Those, uh, if you know that it's going to be 80, what, you know, how does that change how you live now? Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, that he just continued to live his, his life. So he must have enjoyed what he was up to. If you didn't change anything, if your idea is to, like change everything tomorrow, then maybe you're not doing it right. That's interesting. What I've been trying to reflect on lately is like, what days in my week am I enjoying more or less? And what is it about these days? I think some of these Mondays and Tuesdays where I have a lot of meetings or I'm doing a lot of like maybe just work I don't want to be doing. And then days where I'm like having a good conversation or I'm doing a certain amount of exercise or I'm like creating. I think that's been really interesting or something new is happening or I got a new meeting with someone. Yeah. I don't think old people are that different from Noah. This is how I'll frame it up. Like uh, you have a very successful company. You know, I would theorize like if you didn't want to work anymore, you didn't really have to. Like you could you could kind of be done for a while. And so it's kind of the same old man question, which is like, okay, well then if like you're kind of good for now at least, mm. you know, then why are you doing what you're doing every day? Yeah, I think there's parts that I love. Like I love that we get to promote software. I love a lot of the people. But yeah, I spent a lot of my time really thinking. It's not that I'm like so rich that I, I can just never work again. But it's just like I have more than I need to live the life I want, which is, you know, as you, we both know, Miata lifestyles. Oh, man. The Miata life. We love it. The Miata life. And so I do think it's almost good and bad, but it's good. It's like, how do you really want to spend each day? And I was telling someone earlier this, what I'm planning on next year coming into 2020 is just deleting everything in my calendar. 
and just wow. been like, well, just like, how do I want to spend each day during the week? Well, that's a big step for you. If anybody's ever seen your calendar, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like colors just overlapping like five rainbows in one day. <laughs> it is a rainbow cat. Like, well, I color coordinate so I know which each activity is like gym is green. Then yellow is Hebrew and then blue is sumo. So you're going to delete everything? In yeah, all my all my recurring stuff. Okay. So not like my upcoming dental appointments, not like the important <laughs> stuff, but like recurring ones and then just see like what trickles back up. Yeah. And I, I get it. If people have jobs like, well, I can't do that because I have it. It's like, okay, but to what things can you see what really is important for you to want to continue? It's like canceling your corporate credit card every year, you know? And then it's like, well, what, what am I actually missing out on? Oh yeah, we we better turn the Gmail back on. Oh yeah, we better That's turn this back one. on. Is that a life hack? Yeah, I've huh? done it. I've done it several times. <laughs> life hack. Han, what do you mean? You intentionally just cancel yeah. it just to see what happens? Yeah, to see like what's important on there. Because it's really hard to go through your statement. You're like, oh yeah, I use that sometimes. Or, oh yeah, this is interesting. Or, oh, I think I use that, right? But if you just actually cut it off and then it doesn't work anymore, then you really get to see like, oh yeah, it's worth signing up for again. Do you have like a mantra or how do you live your maybe business life? Do you ever journal about this stuff or like think about like, how do I like to operate on things? I have a podcast. I've talked about it for 10 years. About all that stuff? Some of it, I guess. Sure. Do you think the question, how do people stay motivated is a bad question? Yeah. I don't like that question. I don't like it. Every I time it. I hear it, I'm like, it's a drug problem. I have a drug addiction. I need the money. That's why I'm motivated. <laughs> I, don't yeah. know, like, I don't know. Like, what do you say? Like, I guess the question is, what is that person asking for themselves? Like, how can they find motivation in what they're doing? Yeah, I don't like that question. I haven't liked that question for a long time. I think when people ask that question, they're usually looking for meaning, yeah, and probably in their own life. Yeah, I can't imagine like working on projects you weren't passionate about, you know? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me if you've already kind of met your needs. And I think we're both sitting here kind of already in a very fortunate position to have met our needs, you know? And so like once you're past that point, well, then why are you doing it? I was thinking about the title of this episode. It was like conversation with my number four best friend. Number four? Okay, now I put number seven actually on the- Number seven? Can you tell me who's in front? I don't really have a full list. <laughs> but you're, like, you're going to be invited to the second bachelor party. Oh, thank you. No, you're at the Yeah, primary. you're having two? No, you're at the primary. Dude, I found a sick bachelor party idea. ATVing in Wyoming. I already said, did I send it to you? You told me you didn't ATV send it to camping me. in Wyoming. You probably sent it to the first three guys on the list. Just not the fourth. No, I know, the fourth. <laughs> you cleanup hitter if it was baseball. I can power hit. Yeah, I'm just calling this the best friend show where we're just going to come and talk about like nice. best friend like things. Or not. Well, I like your hat, best friend. I like your hat. Actually, it's funny. I see myself. I have all these fucking photos and it's always like the DC hat. <laughs> I love it. That's my plan. I think what's interesting is like I just got a book in the mail. Some guy, I don't know, sent me his book so I could prioritize reading his book and then mm -hmm. share it publicly. Yep. But I think it's kind of interesting. Like how do you send swag or items that people actually want that they would use in their life is better? And they're like, that person was good. Hmm. Right? Like I have your hat. I wear this hat all the time or suaves they gave me like a uh, discount on the suaves and i wear the shoes all the time suaves.com well the show i think you got to focus on like what people like you know so you, at some point you probably tweeted out or you met with the suave guys and you're like dude i suave love these girls. shoes i mean they just didn't send you like a bunch of usb thumb drives right you told me you liked the hat you said you love, the, love hat. the hat you wear it every day i got you a new one pretty recently that's good because i listen so the moral of this whole episode just is listen. Just, just listen yeah done Turn the mic off. Most importantly in this conversation, like what's the best part of being my friend? I was talking to Yaro earlier. I was like, Yaro, what do you think of Yaro? And he's like, Yaro's a good dude. We laugh together <laughs> when we're alone with ourselves. And um, yeah, I think sometimes it's got to be interesting. Like when you're with other people, there's been moments, I guess, where I feel insecure. I'm like, oh, I can't believe these people like me. Well, we're like out. Like I think I was 18 for Neville's fake bachelor party. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, these guys like like me and like who I am and how I'm just myself. And then other times I'm like, really? Why do they like me? You never go through that? 
Not exactly like that. I mean, you have like a lot of great tendencies. You're fun to be around. I can imagine liking you. All right. I guess in that moment, I was just thinking about that. But then I, I wrote the question, what it's like to be friends. Because like, if you think about it, like each person that you, I don't know, as we get older, there's like, I'm like, yo, I have this many in my group. Yeah. And so adding more people to it or how people you want to experience and so forth. Well, I think you're just, uh, like I said before, like I have a lot of questions for you still. Like I, f- I still find you as like an interesting person, and but also like I just enjoy my time with you. Like we have fun pretty much doing whatever we're doing. And I think very little of it's based on business. You know, you and I don't like, we like sit around Almost and talk about talk business. business. Every once in a while, it's like, hey, I got an idea to bounce off your, hey, what do you think about this? And we'll certainly talk about it. But I don't feel like that's the cornerstone of our relationship. You know, for me, and actually, I think that that's true in uh, in my life too, which is like most of my closest friends like are not business associates. Where would I rank in terms of your best friends? Uh, where did I rank on your list? I put seven, but I would probably say, okay, so there's my brother, Jesus Christ, God, <laughs> <laughs> Ian. Okay. And then Anton, Adam, Chad, the rest of the gang, yeah. Neville, John Ross. Yeah, you're top five. Yeah, you're top, top five. Okay. I don't want to like overexpose myself. I don't want to, I don't want to be like too vulnerable here. You know, I came in here like as you would like number one, then I like showed up on your list as number four. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. The best friend. Episode. Top five. <laughs> Top five. I did have questions that I've never, I've never heard from you. Oh man. Now I'm scared. Question number one. Like when did you become a millionaire? Is it like an assets or is yeah, it like, assets? Probably like uh 2012 or 13, something like that. All right. Is it true that you get one inch taller when you become a millionaire? No, I shrunk, I think. <laughs> I think I'm shrinking. (laughs) Is it true you get a sticker when you finally get the millionaire? Yes. I'll tell you what's true. I did a talk on this actually when we sold our business in 2015. I made a joke at the beginning of it and I said like the only thing that's changed is I always order the guacamole. Do you really though? That's expensive. I don't do it. Most of the time. Most of the time. At the time, I mean, I was just sold my business. Of course, I was only ordering guacamole. I was ordering like big bowls of guacamole. You just ate the guac. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, actually, one of the things that I've been talking about lately is like peak consumption. We've like potentially reached peak consumption just in terms of like every single thing that I can possibly dream up for the most part, like I can do. And it's not because like I have boatloads of money. I don't. It's because like everything's become cheaper and more accessible. Totally. So it's like, you know, if you want to like drive a Ferrari on Monday, you can. If you want to like go to Bahamas on Tuesday, you can. If you want to like be a part of a fractional owner in a jet, like you can. Like there's not a lot that like you can't do. There's not a trip right now that I can't take. I'm starting to rethink about consuming, right? There you go. That was a great point. Honestly, this consuming thing is interesting. So where's that led you? Where's that led you? Uh, Where it's led me is to to start to think about, well, if everything's an option, then what should you really be doing? And this is like, again, like the old man thing, right? It's like, should I be taking every trip? Should I be booking every Airbnb? Should I be participating in everything I possibly can? And I think the answer for me is, um, I'd like to go deeper, not wider. If I look at my life, like historically speaking, that's also what I've done. So I don't think it's any different, but and I'm, I don't think that money necessarily corrupts, but it definitely opens up different options. And I think one of the options would be to consume more, to go wider potentially if you had more money. And I think like resisting that temptation, even for me, a lot of times is like, uh, I think it, it could be a positive. Well, it's interesting to think about because you run dynamitecircle.com, which is one of the number one groups online for like nomadic entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But I think that was really at a time when nomadic was just like almost a mystery. And it was just elusive. It was like, Han, you could make money online working from wherever getting new STDs from wherever and like all these other things. <laughs> yeah. And you guys were really one of the, the founders of that. I think that's what got you guys kind of some acclaim. And it's interesting that now it's like, oh yeah, I work from uh, London. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. 
the cost of living and the life experiences, I wonder, I guess what I was thinking is like, should people be imposing more, not self-discipline or restraint, but like less enjoyment of just getting new things all the time? Mm -hmm. Or they have to earn things differently than just like having everything whenever they want everything? Yeah. I mean, you, uh, I asked you the other day, you have a Tesla Model 3 and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And you're like, honestly, like I get more enjoyment out of this than most everything I've bought in the last couple of years of my life. Years. Yeah. I can think of a couple items like that. And so what does that say about the rest of the items? What does it say about the rest of the experiences? Totally. I think about that proportionally. So if it's like, if something's $10 versus 100, am I getting 10 times more enjoyment out of that? Yeah. What were the things that uh, stuck with you? Anything that came to mind? Nothing specifically, but I was thinking about it because of what you said. So, you know, in terms of like the things that you buy, like I think you mentioned another time, like AirPods were one of those things. AirPods are so damn good. Apple sucked a lot, but the AirPods, I'd say the Dynamite Circle hat. Honestly, I wear Dynamite this hat. Circle hat. I wear, no joke. I wear this all the time. It gives me so much joy. And like the Tesla, I came back from Spain. We do Spain every year. I like looked forward to it. Just like sitting in it. It's sick. It's great. To talk a little bit more though about like uh, living and working nematically, yeah, I think you're right. And that's like the, I think the fundamental question, one of the fundamental questions for that culture, that group of people, which I'd consider myself in is like, what's next? Like, yeah, if like living and working remotely is like relatively easy now, like what's next? I wonder if the pendulum is going to swing to the other way where people are like, don't want to travel. I just want a place. I just want to stay put. I just want a job. Because now it's not to the extreme, but it's definitely in the, I don't know what culture want to call it. But it's like new job, new place, new thing, yeah. new, the new culture. I think there can be diminishing returns to that kind of thing. Interesting. How do I stay happy in Austin? Because even that, I'm like, I've been here 10 years. You know, maybe that's not that new, I guess. Mm. And I just You're get not happy rest. here? I love Austin, but I'm just restless right now. You kind of went through this before. And then you went to LA for a while. And I missed you and I missed all my friends. I don't know what the answer to that is. Usually for me, like when I'm starting to feel restless, it's like take a couple week trip somewhere. And then come back. I mean, if you're like gone, like for me right now, and it's always been the case, like I miss Austin. I miss my friends. I miss the things that happen here. I think that's a good sign. I think that means home for me. But home doesn't necessarily need to be like I live there 365 days out of the year. Yeah. Like uh, home can mean like it's a place where I miss. So maybe for you, it's like time for a little bit of a sabbatical. And I think it's also getting a little bit of a nicer house. I think your house is yeah. cool, but like something where I'm like, I walk in, I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. Not like a 1920 story. Like, oh, grandpappy built this with his bare hands i used to cheap out on this all the time when i was traveling like i'd just find like the cheapest airbnb because i used to travel oh, i'd find like the God, cheapest airbnb dude. i'd be like yes it was six dollars a night and then i would never want to be there and so i'd like find myself out at restaurants and on the streets and doing whatever you do your when you're in a foreign land but i would never want to be at the house because i, I didn't totally enjoy true. it but now it's kind of changed and i think maybe being a homeowner kind of changes for me it's like no i, I want to spend more so i actually want to be there I think maybe that's part of your problem is just like, yeah, you're not feeling super inspired by your house, but that's a problem that's easy to fix. You made me reflect on 2010 when I was building AppSumo. I was traveling Europe. One, we were doing P90X every day. I mean, we're backpacking across Europe and we're doing P90X. Like we did it on a cruise. We did it in a park. I mean, it was not the best conditions. And I was so cheap that I try to stay on people's couches the whole time okay. with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And so I met random people like these founders of the Groupon of Germany and like all these places. And it was just like, how much more unsatisfying and like unenjoyable the trip was because I, I did that. My mind, that's like kind of the fault of like American suburbs is like you pay enough money and you're like walled off from everybody and you totally. don't have to interact with people, but you were like forced to interact with people and meet people. So there's advantages to paying less. Can you pay more, live in a nice place and like replicate how you meet these people? But I was just being cheap Maybe. at times. I think sure. I could have spent a little money just so it's like, hey, we can do P90X in our hotel room and like I don't have to beg someone to stay on their couch, which we got to, we did get to meet cool people. One thing I wanted to come back to is that you said you got became a millionaire in 2012, but then you didn't sell to 2015. 
How much fear did you have? I noticed for myself, there's times where even recently, oh, it's going to go away. I started updating my LinkedIn resume. Yeah. I'm like looking for a marketing internship. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know solid i have a good typing speed like I'm an, you okay, do dude I, it's my impressive typing speed is strong my productivity is pretty strong i could be a blogger you could be a lot of things i don't think we'd be like uh, uh good entrepreneurs if we didn't have fear because it's like that hunger thing right it's like i'm like always looking behind my back when shit's going good that's like when i'm looking behind my back the most i'm like yeah when's this gonna blow up who's gonna try and take this from me because there's gonna be somebody right it's like, oh, you build AppSumo. It's like, who's the next AppSumo? Who, you're always looking behind you. And I think that that fear is like really healthy. I don't think we would like survive without that. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fear. We wrote a book about it. Uh, Dan, mostly my business partner, it's called Before the Exit. Uh, and it's about like thought experiments that basically you can go through when you're thinking about selling your business. I certainly think like selling our business in 2015 was like not a smart financial decision. It was like, but it also wasn't like the number one motivator. So the number one motivator was like, I wasn't super happy doing that work anymore. And I did think like the imminent crash was coming soon and like we were a bit vulnerable to it. And I was pretty wrong about that. Here we are in 2019. We were manufacturing in China. So yeah, tariffs came, made the products more expensive. I thought Tesla was going to like move a lot faster. We're actually selling valet parking equipment. So like I thought like valet parking might disappear at some point. You thought just people would self-park so they don't need yeah. the valet anymore? Yeah. It's interesting how fast things can get changed or not changed. Yeah. And I think the older I get, like the longer things take to change or that I'm realizing like things, it takes a long time for like things to disintegrate. Do you also notice as you get older, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, it's hard for me to change things. Like if I'm using a piece of software, that's how it scares me. But I'm like, you know, I've just used that software. That's how I used it. Now I've been using that. I'm going to keep using it. Even though it's like, I think in 20s, I'm like, oh, I'll try that. I'll try that. I'll try that. But here I'm like, ah, it's already working. Do you think it's because you're like focusing more on what's important? Possibly, but you also get comfortable. Yeah. And I think there's a balance. I think the one thing business-wise that's been on my mind a lot lately is my friend Andy Johns was selling it this way. Like, how do you balance innovation versus optimization? Or how do you balance consistency versus like growth? And maybe they're not exclusive, but consistency is like, all right, well, I've done it this way. I've done email marketing. I've made millions of dollars from email marketing. So I'm going to keep email marketing. But maybe there's like TikTok or Instagram or Dick Chat or whatever the fuck's next. Yeah. That's going to replace it. Obviously, some things may never change, like breathing. I'm guessing breathing will be around in our lifetime. Right. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> well, the Lindy principle, right? Like, it's what's been around, I can't remember, is it 20 or 50 years? Will probably exist 20 or 50 years from now. So, like, a bunch of the books that we're reading and things like that, like, they're not going to be relevant, you know? A lot of the software that we're using. Totally. I think, like, software is, like, uh, especially fragile to that kind of stuff, you know? Like, valet parking podiums, like, they were around for 20 years. Like, are they going to be around for 20 years? Well, yeah. Thought it was going to uh, phase out a little bit sooner than it did, but I think that they probably will. I mean, I don't know, man. Like some things last a lot longer than we think. You know, even cabs, right? They're still around. Yeah. Like Uber and Lyft have killed everybody. But I still see cabs all the time. Yep. And like when you go to New York, like I have friends who are like, yeah, I just take cabs. It's quicker and cheaper. Cab in New York was cheaper than Uber. I believe that. That surprised me. They actually know where they're going, which is nice. Yeah, it's just kind of weird how how that is. One thing I I was curious about coming back to being a millionaire and it's interesting because you were a little afraid. So you pulled the trigger. You like pulled the parachute four years early. Totally. How do you know? Well, I know now. Because the business is still doing better than it ever has, you know, I can still see what it's up to. Oh, no, I didn't see what it's up to. There was a payment. There was a note on the business. Oh, and it's a percentage of sales. It was tied to some of the numbers. So I was fortunate enough to get to see how the business was doing and kept on very friendly uh, terms with the new owner. So if we didn't sell, we still would have been making money. I mean, I think it's like a hindsight thing. 
you can never know what's going to happen. I think for me, am I ultimately like happy with my decision? Yeah, because it wasn't totally financially motivated. If it was totally financially motivated, I would have been pretty disappointed. But uh, like I said, I was kind of tired of doing that work and I was ready for a change. Would you have made more money if you kept it? Oh, yeah. A bunch. Really? Yeah, totally. And I think most people would. I mean, dude, I was taking two calls a week, like for two or three hours each day. Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that was it. There was a fair amount of emotional stress involved. Like it, it was a very cash intensive business because we had a bunch of inventory. So anytime the business grew, the inventory grew and you know, like managing all that. And I was the one that managed all that. But could I have like hired somebody to do that? Could I have gotten like a line of credit? Yeah, like all these things could have been solved pretty easy. Why didn't you want to do that? Because like I said, I was like pretty emotionally tired of like running this business. And I saw some threats, whether like I made them up to justify my actions or not. Some of that I think happened, but uh, it was just done. How much did you make the first year for yourself personally running that business? Like zero or less than zero? Actually, we had a we had a, a third partner the first year and part of our agreement was to continue to pay me my salary at his company that I was working for. And I think it was like $45,000. But we grew like 100% year over year for like several years. So, But we didn't make money until like fifth or sixth year or something like that. Part of it, no, was just, um, and I, I don't know if you've had to do this in your life, but just like learning how to live cheaply, like learning how to have like very little needs. And uh, at the time, like I didn't have a family, I didn't have car payment, I just had like minimal rent, like I didn't have like a bunch of like requirements. The idea of like opportunity of like travel and like owning a business was like way more important to me than like buying the right clothes or anything like that. Or for me, it was like a matter of like keeping my expenses as low as possible to make sure that the business survived because I knew if the business would survive, it would like fulfill all my dreams, so to speak, at the time. What's your dreams now? I think it changes. Maybe some of my dreams earlier were driven by like my back being up against the wall. If that makes sense, like kind of like spun from defiance, like I had to like get myself out of a situation. So it was like a dream of mine to own a business, to be financially independent. It's kind of crazy, man. Like I was actually thinking about today, like I haven't actually had a job for over 10 years. Like somehow I just like wake up whenever I want and like stumble into the kitchen and like have some coffee and like this has been going on for 10 years now. My first thought is like, man, I should go because I worked at Intel, which was like, I appreciate that believed in me to hire me. But like it's the epitome of like the worst job you can ever imagine. It's like you have to be there at eight, yeah. stay till five. Most of the time is very unproductive. Like you have to wear a dress code. Like nothing is free. The walls are like Dilbert. I was like, I should go back to that just to be like, oh, I appreciate what I have so much. I love these people. I love Subo. I love you really want to go back to it? Fuck no. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind for a day like or a half day. Just like a visit dad at work day? I mean, I went to Taco Deli and I picked up trash for like, I think it was about a half day. Okay. I really wanted to help out and be a part of Taco Deli. Yeah. Well, they were like, why are you doing this? And I don't think they knew that we have a company that does relatively well. I was like, honestly, I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm not sure if I had to do that every day for every week. Why'd you tell them you were there? Oh, no, I already coordinated with them. I was like, hey, I just want to help out and like try working with you guys and seeing the magic. And they're like, go pick up trash all day. I was like, okay. What'd you see? Nothing. I was picking up trash outside all day. <laughs> You're like, I'd like to see the magic <laughs> of making some of the best tacos in Austin. They're like, okay, go pick up trash. Like that'd be I even helpful. got my food handler's license just so I could be there. They're like, seriously? Well, because they dared to stop me. They're like, I was like, hey, I want to volunteer and just help out. And they're like, well, you don't have a food handler's license. You can't be here. And so I was like, all right. And so I went and took the test and applied and, mm -hmm. and got it. And then I went and picked up trash. And then uh, after a day, it was like a half day of it. I was like, okay, that was good. It's interesting that that was the position they put you in. Is it because they didn't take you seriously or? I mean, I think if people don't know, like it wasn't online marketing or anything like that. But let's, let's sure. go back to you. Dreams. What's your next dream? And then we can finish up because I want to go get some Italian. Like I said, what I was talking about with the experiences earlier, like I think it's like everything is like pretty attainable now. And that seems like very weird to, to say, like mm. go on any trip, buy a number of different cars that I like and I'm into cars, but I haven't done it. I haven't done it because I don't want to do it. 
I know it's not going to be as fulfilling as like the idea of it is. And so I kind of want to like hold on to the idea part of me. I think my dream for like the next 10 years is to get back to feeling uncomfortable and get back to feeling like like my back is up against the wall. And I think figuring out ways to recreate that in a different way than I was before has been challenging. But I think I've like started to kind of tap into how that might work. Dude, I love it. Back up against the wall means like it's basically a challenge or it's uncomfortable. I mean, this is like back to my origin story, but like I was working at a job doing a profession that I went to school to do that I liked. And I did what I call the corner office test where like I looked down the hall at the corner office, like who has the best view of like the parking lot, right? I had an office park and I was like, okay, like that's the end of the line. Like that's as good as it gets. Like, do I want to like keep working towards that? And my answer was like, fuck no, I don't want to, I don't want to work towards that. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. So I like felt like my back was up against the wall. I was like, oh shit, I went to school. Like I learned all this stuff. Like I'm doing my dream job, so to speak, you know, and like, that's the end goal. And so like my back was against the wall. I was like, I don't have freedom. I don't have my own time. Like you said, I got to be here at like 8 a.m. It sucked. So I, I really felt like desperate to like change my life because I'd worked for like four or five years to get where I was. And now like wasn't where I expected. So I think like the backup against the wall is like a little bit different when you're in a fortunate position, like maybe we are. And so I don't think you have to like invent things for yourself to create your backup against the wall. But for me, I think it's like putting myself in a in an uncomfortable situation because it's actually exciting. Like back then, I have so many like vivid memories of like pure excitement of like, you know, your first sale, your company doubling every year. Like it's like super exciting because it's uncharted territory. So what are some of the things that we can like do that? Or for me, what are some of the things that I can do that make me feel like that again? So I'm trying to figure out a way to get back there. What come to mind? New and different projects, like in areas of expertise that I'm like interested in, but I'm not uh, experienced in. You know, we've been talking about like some of these construction projects, some of these commercial real estate projects. I think some of that stuff is cool. Like I've been learning about it. I've been studying it. I've been watching it for like the last three or four years. So maybe jumping into some of that. But I think the reason I haven't done it yet is because I'm ultimately like scared. So that's why it's kind of exciting. There's two ways I've been kind of reflecting on that, which is like, what's my growth? Like, what kind of growth do I want? What's my edge? I guess mm-hmm. things uncomfortable back against the wall. But also some of that is like, what am I curious about? Which does generally kind of sometimes lead to an edge. So what are you curious about? Well, and one other thing I wanted to highlight sure. I thought was interesting is like, you know, I'm saying things are attainable now. I think it's really good. Like John Ross really taught me like put goals on your attaining things because like I can afford a lot of nicer stuff than I have. Yeah. John Ross, he makes good money. And he's like, man, I can't afford this catch. I'm like, dog, it's a thousand dollars. You make a lot of money. Like you can afford a couch, but he does it. Well, I need to save up, you know, a few hundred bucks a month. You did this with that bike you're looking at. You're like, yeah. okay, well, I got to like set a goal. Hit the 3,000. Gotta- so that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. So I did 3,000 miles this year and I was like, yeah, now I can get another goal. I'm just saying, I think for everyone, there's something there where, yes, you can get anything you want whenever you want, but maybe earn it and you'll feel better about it. I think in terms of growth goals, I'm thinking about like, how does AppSumo go to another level with Eamon and the team in place or, the, you know, as we grow the team, like how do we take AppSumo to the next level? Thinking about like e-commerce products. So I think where there's an opportunity is that no one's helping promote new products. So how do you actually do that? I think Mm -hmm. I'm kind of nervous about that. Which is difficult, right? Because there's just so many freaking products everywhere. Like There's a lot of products. There's a lot of different people out there in the world. There's very few like barriers to entry to like, you know, physical products now, which certainly wasn't the case when I got started. Like there was like huge barriers to entry to physical products. Yeah. I mean, now you can go get a product from China in like a few weeks. Yeah. I think I'm a little curious about like promoting my brand, like the dork brand and like the stuff that we're working on, like that's kind of more experimental. Okay. I think we both enjoy real estate. So trying to think about where that fits right now, I'm just trying to find like a primary house before I think about anything else. Yeah. It's interesting watching you like go through that process. Like, you know, you bought this house, you had the idea to to update it and then you got a, you're having a guest house installed and everything. And 
It's like a very personal process, right? It seems like, especially for you, like, I think for me, it's a little bit different. Like I'm building what I like, you know, I like kind of had a, I bought it and I had a vision. Now I'm like slowly doing it. Like you want to show up and like have it, have it be done, which I think is, uh, is good, but it seems hard because, uh, well, number one, Austin real estate prices are crazy, but number two, like walking into something and being like, yes, this is it. I think sometimes lately what I've thought about, like we're doing some of these activities and are buying things and like the guest house and some of our landscaping. I was like, it's so easy to do that. It's too easy. Like I want something harder, like creating something that was not there before versus like, all right, I want landscaping. Here's some money. Just go do it. Well, you created your own house. I sat there and helped you do it. I know, but then we didn't build it. But then you didn't build it. Yeah, I was just scared. Why were you scared? Because I thought you could have someone, a developer, build a house that you can get for cheaper. And I think when I was trying to build a custom home, I got in my mind like this custom home has to be like the best thing I can ever imagine. Yeah. And I look at the drawings. I was like, it's okay. I'm not like crazy excited to go spend a million plus bucks to build it. Yeah. I don't know how it is for you, but like get wrapped up in like forever home, like chances like that, you know, you're there forever, like pretty low. Yeah. Like chances you're there for like five years or like probably more likely. I think one of the questions I asked you earlier, just the reason I asked is about like how much money you made when you started the business is that I think a lot of people who listen are starting side hustles and getting businesses going. And for me with AppSumo, I think I made, I actually got, I don't think it's fortunate. You say the word fortunate. I don't think it's fortunate. I worked, I mean, relatively hard sure. plus experience. I made 40,000 or 28,000 or 40,000 my first year. Yeah. And that's after I was making 100 plus thousand at Mint. I went yeah. down. What was your burn at the time? I mean, 1,600 rent split with my girlfriend. It was like probably like maybe 2,000 a month. But you were making like 100,000 plus a year. That was 2007 and eight. I was living on couches for free. And you were making $100,000 a year. Six figures. I remember because I was so proud that I, I couldn't believe they were paying me that much. No, but I'm curious about that because I think it, it, I'm trying to get back to my point, which is keeping your expenses low. Like the reason you were able to afford to start that company is because you were living frugally. That's just all the time. People are like, hey, I'd love to start a company. Like I'd love to give it all the corporate grind. Like I have a skill set. I make $120,000 a year. The problem is that they're spending $120,000 a year. Mm. Like nine times out of 10, this is the case. They cannot get off that hamster wheel because they're not living on couches. That's and I think part true. of it was probably because you're in your 20s. So question is like, okay, how do you do that when you're in your 30s and you have a family? Because it's a little bit different. But that's the reason I was asking you that. You know, for some reason, you can answer why. But why did you feel the need to live so cheaply when you were making so much money? Like, why didn't you I didn't just do what everybody it, else I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was fun to, like, go live with friends and they have extra space and I can, like, hang out in different areas in the Bay Area. I mean, Bay Area has always been expensive. People are like, Bay Area's expensive. I'm like, it's always been expensive. I grew up there. I think that's a fair point. I think where I've struggled is that as my income and net worth has grown, I still have hung on to some of those things like that where it doesn't really serve me. Yeah. I think that's true. Like I go to Home Depot all the time and like I won't buy extra, but I'll like take another trip back there. It's like all I had to do was buy eight two by fours instead of six, you know, but I had like had it planned out perfectly. I think stuff like that happens. But, you know, just getting back to your story, like uh, you were leading like a you were living like a different script than most people, which I think is like interesting itself. So it's not surprising to me that like you started a business and like you were able to like afford it. I think most people are like living the the normal script and then they read about like this online business thing and like this totally different lifestyle where they can make tons of money from their laptop and stuff, but they're not expecting their life to change. Like, or I shouldn't say they're expecting, they're not willing to change your life in the radical way that you're willing to change your life or live your life. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is just like, I don't know if there's a right or wrong script to live at the end of the day. It's more, what script do you really want to follow? And like either your own original script or the, maybe you saw someone else's script that you're like, I think that seems like a great script to follow. Yeah. And then you go live that. 
It is interesting when it's uncharted territory. I think I was talking, I was thinking about it this weekend. And like, I, I've actually, I'm glad that I'm a younger brother because my older brother trailblazed and I got to see how to live and I got to see how to like go through high school. I got to see how to like be a virgin till 25, you know, like there's, <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of cool because he would do things and I get to, you know, learn from that. Totally. Well, that's what mentors are for, right? Do you have mentors? I don't know. So you never had mentors? I always would. I always did. I met one of your mentors the other day. It was Sumerad. Oh, Dennis, he was, yeah, my hiring manager and like one of the guys. Yeah. After I left Intel though, I didn't really interact with them as much. Yeah, but you didn't like find a new person that you looked up to or that you thought was. Well, it was my boss at Facebook and then he got fired the day I started. Well, you got fired too. So. I got fired after and then the next boss after got fired. Well, sounds so. like a good mentor to me. <laughs> yeah. He led by example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I need some. This is great. This, you want to eat? Yeah. Honestly. Okay. Where are we going to eat in Austin? Your favorite Italian place. You recommended that. I don't know. Do we have time? Yeah, what do you mean? Okay. Do you need to go home? No, I'm not going to mention it though because I don't want to blow it up too much. Dude, it's funny. Do you see what I tweeted today? No. I put rate your favorite restaurants one star so no one else goes. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Dude, I think part of me feels like, God, that guy's a dick. But part of me is like, no one cares as much as you think they care. Or you just don't rate them at all. I mean, there's this, that's a strategy. No, I'm saying just in general. We all think people care so much more. Like when you're balding, like I'm bald, you're bald, partially bald. No one cares. Everybody cares about their own shit way more than everybody else. Cheers up. I'm out. All right, buddy. Here, I'll do a quick cheers. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode. If you did, go check out Ian at dynamitejobs.co. They also have a podcast. That's the Tropical MBA podcast. And follow them on Twitter. That's at anything Ian. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go drive Miatas together. Before you go, let me know what you thought of the episode by emailing podcast at okdork.com. I'll probably ignore your email. Don't sweat it. And a final plug to my boys, Jason at podcasttech.com. Don't hire him because I needed his help for the show. And Mitchell, Sean, and David at the Dork Team for being radical. And Rachel at the Sumo World for always being so spunky and positive. What's your favorite snack? <laughs>